Turn your Bibles, if you would, to Colossians chapter 2, if you would. Colossians chapter 2. I want to take just a few moments to share with you a couple thoughts out of this passage that kind of goes along with some of the things that we have been going through even over the last couple of months uh, and, and kind of took the opportunity of entitling this message here, Weathering the Storms. Or maybe another title may be something like this, What Did We Learn? And as I was thinking about this, the Lord laid something on my heart. There was a day, I, I lived down in um, central Tennessee, just north of Nashville now. I've been there for several years. But uh, I was walking around our property uh, just a few weeks ago, and I was checking some of the trees that I've planted over the last few years. And, and as I'm walking around the hedgerow, there's several of the, the dogwood trees that are there. They're, they're pretty small, but um, they're solid. I grabbed hold of them, kind of shake them, and I'm like, wow, you know, they've taken good root. And so much so that the support poles and, and the, the mesh at the bottom of them, I said, you know, they don't need this anymore. They're, they're able to stand. And on the same token, I went across the yard, and I have an apple tree. And it was planted the first year I got there. And it's a lot older. It's a taller. It's bigger. But as I grabbed the tree and kind of shook it a little bit, the whole tree moved. And as I got to examining down at the roots, they, the roots kind of formed a ball and, and never really went down. And because of that, I was able to shake the whole tree just by, so I said, oh no. So I grabbed one of the support poles and put the pole back again and tied it back up so that, because my concern was this, you know, we have some pretty hefty storms that roll through Tennessee at times. We're right on the tail end of Tornado Alley. And so I thought, you know, a big storm come through here or <clears throat> even just some heavy winds, that tree's coming down. It, it just needs some extra support right now. You know, it wasn't long after that as I was reading through my devotions that I came to this particular book and to this particular passage in chapter 2 there, and I was reminded of something. You know, we're a lot like those trees in a lot of ways. You know, we've, we've had some storms come through our life here just recently. And it, and and. The truth is we have to be reminded of something. So in the military, we use this term called bluff, B-L-U-F. It means bottom line up front, okay? So here's the bluff of the message. I'll read it to you. Times like this pandemic that we're going through should and will tell us something about ourselves. And in most cases will tell us the condition maybe of our own root system and our stability. Amen? Let's look at Colossians chapter 2 here, beginning in verse 1. It says, For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you, and for them at Laodicea, and for, and, and, and for as many as not yet seen my face in the flesh. Paul's in prison here, and he's, he's writing back, and he's telling these folks, Look, you know, I've not yet seen some of you, but that, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love and unto all riches, of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. There's a doctrinal true right there. Verse 3, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. 
And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Father, I pray that you'll just use these next couple moments here and help us to see what we have learned indeed through this last couple months. And may we just be encouraged and may we be steadied in our relationship and our walk with you. We praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know about you, but in my Bible here, I... There's an uninspired uh, topic headings maybe here, like above paragraphs, a paragraph topic. My, my paragraph topics here says warnings against errors. Maybe yours says something like that. But, but you know, you, in this particular passage here in verses 4 and verse 8, you see the error that Paul, on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is, is writing to this church in Colossae and helping to tell them, look, here's some things that are deadly. <laughs> and here's some things that you need to be aware of. And here's some pitfalls. And here's some things that you just need to have the strength to be able to stand up against. One of those, verse 4, says the fact that, and this I say, lest any man beguile you. This aspect of treachery or deception or trickery from the standpoint and beguile you with what? And he says, with these enticing words. We see that happen so much in our day and age. Verse eight, we didn't read, but verse eight says, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit and after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of this world and not after Christ. And both of these errors, I would just tell you that from a Christian standpoint, if we, if we give in to these errors, or, or begin to take them into our lives, it will destroy you. And Paul is warning the church of Col uh, Colossae here, saying, look, don't, don't get involved in these things. And, and oh, by the way, I can give you some helps in how you should not be involved in these areas as you go on down here. But in verse 3, along with this warning, he gives us this, this wonderful promise here. And he says, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and understanding. You know, I don't know about you, but every time I see that word treasure, I, don't, I, I, think, of, I think of the pirate days. Aye, matey. You know, you know and where Blackbeard has, has gone along the seacoast and, and, and gathered this chest full of, of all kinds of gems and rubies and stuff and buried them and then forgot where he put them. And years, years later, we're all still looking for them. But, you know, and you see the treasure hunters, and they're out there digging and, and things of that nature just with the hope of maybe coming across these treasures. And I will tell you that we have such a, a abundant treasures available to us right here in the Word of God. And I will tell you that it just sometimes just takes a little digging a little spade digging to just kind of dig into that word and to just when we when we see these truths all of a sudden they just start jumping off the pages and they will change our lives amen can i just give you a caution here as i thought through this you know commentaries are great 
but don't just depend on what others say about the Bible. I love Spurgeon, I love Henry, Matthew Henry, but you know, what about you just getting in and digging for yourself and digging up some of these treasures that God has for you? It's really not that hard. Matter of fact, we will do that just for a moment here with verses five through seven real quick here. But look at some of these treasures that God is telling us about. Beginning in verse five, Interesting thing here, Paul is going to kind of hit on two, two aspects. One of them is going to be the aspect of order, and the other is going to be the aspect of steadfastness, which kind of goes hand in hand with our theme of being able to weather the storm. And it's interesting because he says, though I be absent in the flesh, but I am with you in the spirits. You know, Paul's not with them, but he has heard of their faith. He's got report back of, of how things are going there in that church, and and because of that, it causes him to rejoice about what he's seeing there about the church of Colossae. That he, he, he's actually joying and, and beholding or taking, taking sight of and looking deeply into a couple things. First of all, their order. That, that word order there, the arrangements of how things were done there in Colossae. Is there anything important about order? Well, when you take in comparison to the opposite of order, which is disorder, it makes a big difference, doesn't it? Because Paul had to rebuke the church of Corinth because of their gross disorder. And in Thessalonica, he charged that some of them were walking disorderly. So there's a big difference, isn't there? Paul rejoiced in the fact that Colossae was walking in an orderly fashion. This word shows up a couple of times in the New Testament. One is in, in Luke chapter uh, 1. There, the story of Zacharias with Elizabeth and the parents of John the Baptist and how there was this order of the priest of how they were to go in and, and to serve the Lord. And, the, and they, they all kept their line in order, this arrangement. It's important to be able to get things done. You say, Brother Willis, what's the point? Well, the point is God is a God of order and not chaos. And even to the point of a, a certain way of doing things. I mean, I'll give you a good illustration. Here, just Sunday, we saw an evidence of doing things in order. Pastor baptized three people of the same family here on Sunday morning. How many of you saw that? And an amazing thing. But I it was reminded, even as he was standing there dunking them, from the standpoint of saying, look, they have already, like in 2017, as the lady had accepted Christ, she had already been saved, but following the order, now she's going to be baptized. And then hopefully, then membership in the church, and then, then the service. You say, what is that all about? It's about order. God, God rejoices in the fact that, and when you start getting things out of order, you make a mess of things. I mean, most of our churches, and from the standpoint of even the cult, Quite frankly, it's because of things got out of order, out of whack. But that's a different message for another day. <clears throat> but Paul was impressed with the orderliness there at Colossae. But when you think about it, the, really the meat of this message and the instruction on how to combat the error, this beguilement, this worldly philosophy, and even the way in which we're to weather the storms of life are really found in the next two verses, if you'll just join with me here. Verses 6 and 7. Look at verse 6. He says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk ye in him. Now, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a Greek scholar. 
by any means. I, I depend on all the Greek helps I've taken the classes, but this is part of this digging. Even when you start digging into the, even the original language of, of how this was written and you see uh, the, the, the tense and the voice of how these it, things really start jumping off the page here, even with these next few verses. And he comes to the point of, he says, as ye have received, or this idea of, of taking hold of, or even accepted, Christ Jesus as Lord. And he says, what? <clears throat> Walk ye in him. Now, if you know anything about that particular word, it's written in a present imperative, which some of you Greek scholars would know this. What does that tell me? That's a command, guys, isn't it? Hey, it's, it's not just a suggestion. This is a command. Now that ye have accepted, now that you have received Christ Jesus as your Savior, walk ye in him. Commanded. How often do you walk? Well, the tense tells us. You begin walking and you keep walking. Not just a, it's not just one stroll in the morning, but it's a daily stroll. Daily stroll with Christ. I'll tell you, that in itself just speaks volumes when it comes to the aspect of how to weather the storms in our life. But can I tell you, it gets better here in just a moment. Look at verse 7. Because then he gets in verse 7 and he says this. He says, look, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. And this idea of rooted and this next, these next couple verbs are important because this word rooted, which is literally the aspect of planted or also established in itself. And because of the way it's written in the Greek tense and the voice here, it gives this idea of this. It says, you having been firmly rooted. I'm not changing the, the way of the words here, but just by that little digging, does that not help us to see, wait a second. You having been firmly rooted, then what? Be built up. And built up here. And again, in the Greek tense, in the voice here, it gives us this idea of you are being built up. And then as you follow through with established in the faith, you are being established. What does that mean? You put that all together and it comes with this idea of you having been firmly rooted, be built up and continue to be established in the faith. Wow. Just a little digging. And it just kind of makes that whole verse of six and seven kind of come to life, doesn't it? Even more so. And I know when you read it, you go, yes, I got that out of it. Praise the Lord. Maybe I'm a little slower. Maybe it took me a little more digging. But when I did that, it was like, thank you, Lord. That really helped me from the, end, uh, the aspect of just a simple little Greek study here. It makes these verses come alive with all kinds of doctrinal truths. Also, uh, uncovering that treasure of wisdom and instruction and knowledge. I don't know about you, but that's helpful to me. But it even continues to get better because there was something here that as you grab hold of this, that helps us understand something as I, I grab hold of a truth in this passage. It's not about me. It's not about my roots. It's not about my power. It's not about my strength. That's not included in any of this passage. 
Brother Lewis, what are you talking about? Well, here's just a simple truth. Do you know that roots are only as good as to what they're anchored to? Roots are only as good to what they are planted in. See, the trouble with my apple tree was not the fact that just the roots were in a ball. It's the fact that the roots did not go down into the ground very far and grab hold of that, that clay and that, that limestone and that granite the, um, the soil that we have there in Tennessee. The roots were just all kind of sitting on the top of the ball. They weren't really attached to anything. But it's in these passages of, man, all of a sudden, this comes to life because here's the thing that he tells to us in verses 6 and 7. Again, let's look at it. Verse 6 and 7, he starts off, he says, And as ye have therefore received, there's the verb, but what's the object? Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus the Lord. And then all of a sudden, the next verb, So walk ye, what's the object? In him. And then verse 7 continues, Root, uh, Rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith. And can I just include? Of him. The faith, the gospel, the truth of all that pertains to the gospel, which is all about Jesus Christ. It's all of him. And I look at that and I go, praise the Lord. Because see, there is an object to my faith. And it's a person. And it's not only just an anchor, but he is a rock that cannot be moved. No matter how great the storm or how contrary the winds. Do you get that? And the truth is because of the fact that he is the king of kings. He is the lord of lords. He is the creator of the universe. And by the grace of God, he still sits on the throne today in complete control. And our hope is found in him. Our strength is in him. I remember years ago, there was an old... Negro spiritual that they used to sing. And the title of it, I Shall Not Be Moved. Man, I remember that song from when I was a young kid and people singing it. And I will tell you, there's a lot of truth in that. I shall not be moved. Why? Not because of me. I shall not be moved because of my relationship with the anchor. With the rock that cannot be moved. Amen? I don't know about you, but put that all together that's some pretty serious treasure isn't it of knowledge and instruction for us of how to live our lives and you say brother willis that was a great bible study but what's the application how do we apply that to our lives and i'll tell you exactly how we apply it because <clears throat> during this time of the quarantine we all went through it a time where many of us had to stay at home a time where many of us had to stay away from everybody else. I don't know, was that hard on anybody? I'm a people person. It about killed me. Have to stay away from other people. And even worse, when I had to stay away from church. And for the first time, the feeding from my pastor took on an entire different order or different structure. When I'm sitting on my couch with my cup of coffee watching the service, online. I got to tell you, that was weird. <laughs> it was actually hard. 
you know, I, this aspect of, am I still able to worship? Yes, I can worship, but boy, it really just threw the order out. Didn't anybody else like that, or was it just me? Boy, that was tough, wasn't it? And because of that real conflict, even sometimes in my mind and in my heart and my soul, you know, then, of course, schools got closed physically. Things really got out of kilter. My kids came home from college. It's like, what are you doing home? And why aren't you leaving? I mean, from that standpoint, we're all back together again. And, and then here, you know, it's like there's, you've got this extra time on your hands during the day. And, and you can't go anywhere. And, and, and the kids are home. And, and they're trying to do school. And it just threw everything out of order. I don't know about you, but that kind of messed with me a little bit. Anybody else like that that messed with you? From the standpoint of, I had to stop and say, my tree was shaking a bit, quite frankly. Anybody else get a little anxious? kind of a little troubled in your heart, maybe even a little fearful when life got interrupted. You start actually thinking about, man, what, what's the deal with this virus and this disease? And are y'all going to get it? And, you know, you just start all kinds of things start running through your mind. Even from the standpoint of the order, you start getting a little lax in your daily routine. Anybody else get that? Kind of messed with your daily routine a little bit? And I will tell you that at the end of the day, there was a testing of my root system to see whether it was still strong, weak, or how I handled the storm. I just got some questions for you that may help you in this thing. When stuff like that happens, and we go through a storm like this, you have to ask yourself this question, what did I learn from it? What did I learn from it? Here's one question. Did you continue to be built up? Verse 7. Did you continue to be established in the faith on your, on your own with Christ during this time? When, uh, when your order was all out of order, did you reestablish re some kind of order so that it helped you through your walk? Another question I ask you is this, and this is one I had to stop and think about. What about when it came to your Bible devotion time? During this time, did you spend... Did you still spend time in your Bible? Did, did you spend the same amount of time that you normally do? Uh, more or less? Did because of that order and because of things uh, getting out of kilter a little bit, did it cause you to kind of get a little rat-laxed even in your Bible reading? I'm not going to ask for raised hands, but I think I know the answer to that a little bit. Amen? How about your prayer life? Did it cause you to stop and think about, hey, Am I spending the same amount of time in prayer that I had been spending in my devotion time? Or because of this order, did it cause me to get out of the kilter a little bit with that? Did I spend the same amount of time? Did I spend more time? Did I spend less time? Did I spend no time? Reality? Yeah. Here's one that hit me. Did I find ways, did, even during the storm, did I find ways to still witness to people? You know, one thing that just came across the, the screen there on the TV that just hit me was when I started seeing all the bodies that they were lining up in the streets of Italy, getting ready to take them to the cemeteries, or even in New York cities, New York City where they moved in the tractor trailers just outside the buildings and they were putting the bodies that had uh, died from COVID in there. And I, I don't know about you, but this thought went through my mind here real quick. 
where did those people go? Did they know Christ? I mean, do you think that they were expecting to go out into eternity dying of this COVID like that? And I would answer, probably not. But where'd they go? During this time, was I still able to be a witness? And, and by the grace of God, I gotta tell you, you had to, you kind of had to be a little bit more uh, I I inventive of how you were able to get attracted to someone. Or, you know, I remember reaching, a, uh, I stopped at a fast food place that was actually still open as I was driving on my travels one time. And, and uh, as, as I tried to do on a regular basis, uh, the person who comes to the window, they give me the order and I try to slip him a track and say, hey, here's a gospel track, would you read it? And, and for the first time, the guy reaches over and says, oh, I can't take that. Whoa, it's, it's like I was handing him like an atomic bomb or something. Whoa. me to stop and go, wow, things are a little out of normal here, <laughs> even in how we witness. And you got to be a little bit more imaginative of how we even are able to do that. See, Christian, the truth is, is what if something else were to happen that would cause us not to be able to get together again for a long time? How rooted and how established are you in the faith? Would you continue to grow strong in your faith or would you get blown over with the heavy winds and the storm? And possibly even be able to start giving in to verses 4 and 8 of falling into error because of our lack of being able to stay established and rooted in the faith. Because look, you don't just stand still in your Christian walk. There is no such thing as neutral you're either moving forward or you're moving backward. And you've got to be so careful that even in those times when things are out of normal, that we don't start falling for this beguilement, this treachery, this deception, and even worse, the philosophy of this world, which will creep in that fast if we're not careful. We may never know exactly why God allowed this to happen, but we can ask this question. Lord, what did we learn through this? What did I learn about myself through this? And how can I be prepared if in the event it's to happen again? I close with this thought, just a, just a couple of thoughts here and we're done. But here it is. You know, just like that plant and that tree needs nutrients every day to grow. Every day that tree needs nutrients. Water, sunlight, whatever it is, to be able to grow, to be able to stand on its own. You know, we're, we're exactly the same way when it comes to that. We need the word of God. We need that living water. We need that communication with our Lord. We need his power. And we need his stability. And we need it every single day. Regardless of what else is happening. So regardless of whether we're here as a group or you're all by yourself, we need to know how from the standpoint of receiving, of being rooted, to be built up, to be established so that we can walk you in him daily. With heads bowed and eyes closed as we have a time of invitation here this morning, I just want to challenge you with this thought. You've heard the message from that standpoint, but I would just ask you a couple of questions, maybe here, and as if 
pianist may come and with music here in just a moment, but if that's possible, I just want to ask you this question. Maybe there's some area of your life that needs adjusted. Or maybe there's some area of your life that needs shored up a bit. And it's something that we've learned about ourselves through this storm, through this trial. Maybe you would even come to the point of where the Lord has laid something specifically on your mind. To where there's something in your life that may be blocking that growth or in the way of that growth. Maybe there's some unconfessed sin. Maybe there's something that only you and you know. I would just help you to understand this. You must, you must confess it and forsake it if you're ever going to grow in your walk with Christ. And then last, I would say this. Maybe, maybe we just need to cry out to God today and just simply say, Lord, I'm struggling with some things today. And I need your help to grow stronger in my walk. I need your help, Lord, to develop healthy, vibrant roots that are holding me firmly to my Savior. I don't know whether any of those may apply to you or not, but if the Lord's speaking to you, wouldn't it be a good time to do business with God today?